Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds. Traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heel shoes. Got her wings on, too. You know, I've never seen a better stew. Oh, Betty and the Jets. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have a story about a six-year-old businessman, some high talkers, some ghosts, some pesky overhead bins, a hero, and some sexy farm animals. Uh, I'm a few days late in getting this podcast out. I try to get out around the 6th or 7th of the month, but... uh, And I've had a horrible toothache, an infected tooth, and root canal. It's been like loads of fun. And I was uh, slightly afraid that if I worked on it when I was feeling so um, crappy, that like the intro to this podcast would be like, hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. (laughs) Anyway, I didn't want to do that. So now let's get on with the show. So I was on this flight coming back from Madrid, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of, in the summer especially, we have a lot of children who are traveling without their parents, you know, unaccompanied minors. And uh, usually they're, you know, just kids, normal, kind of quiet. Sometimes they're scared, you know. Uh, We try to take good care of them. And here comes this, this tiny, he was six years old, which is almost as young as you're allowed to be on an international flight. He walks on the plane with like a, a button-up shirt. He looked like a little business, like a little six-year-old businessman. And he came on with a, with a lot of uh, confidence. And I was like, wow. So we take him, we take him to his seat. And he, I take him to his seat. And I was telling him, you know, make sure we walk off the plane with him. You know, our big thing is we don't want to lose them. Uh, so showing him how to use his headsets, which later on I realized I had no reason. I'm sure he could have figured it out himself. So I I said, he he says to me, he got on, you know, before everybody got on the plane and he said, uh, well, um, it looked to me that uh, business class was empty. And I said, oh, no, we haven't started boarding yet. And he goes, well, um, is there any way I can get an upgrade? (laughs) This six-year-old, this six-year-old is asking me, you know, is there any way I can get an upgrade? (laughs) I mean, he was the epitome of precocious. He was he was as cute as a button. But then I'm walking through. We have a 
newspapers in uh, first class. And then if there's any left, we take them through the economy cabin. So I am walking through with a newspaper, Financial Times, no less. And here's that six-year-old going, oh, yes, I would love a newspaper. And I was thinking, how old are you? He wants the Financial Times and wants an upgrade. <laughs> so later on, after the service, um, he comes back to the back galley, and he was so entertaining. He was basically like holding court. There were three of us back there, and uh, we talked to him for it was over an hour, and we were really, all of us were enjoying his conversation, which, you know, is unusual, you know, to be uh, that entertained by a six-year-old. It's so much so that the one guy fly attendant goes, hey, you know, we got to set up for the middle service. So we had literally lost track of time <laughs> chatting with the six-year-old businessman. Look at me. Sometime in uh, the past, long ago in Eastern, they were flying Love into Eastern. New York. Yeah, they were flying into New York, and a pilot didn't realize he was on an open mic for everybody oh, to yeah. hear. And so he proceeded to tell everybody that the reason there was a delay is because the guy who was, um, no, the machine that punched a hole in your bag was broken, and so they had to be messing up your bags by hand. And it was, I mean, that's... Oh, they probably freaked out, though. Oh, yeah. And, and everybody the machine that punches the hole yeah. in your bag. And so the, yeah. the, um, they didn't think that was too funny. No, because they got worried. Mm-hmm. So now, were your, both your parents with Eastern? They were. And they met there? They did. Because you said earlier yeah. that... Um, yeah, my mom was a stew and my dad was a pilot. So your mother was a stewardess for Eastern, but you were saying, we had this giant manual. How many pages is that, like 900 pages? But how many pages was her Eastern manual? Three. <laughs> Three. Three little cards. One was a ditching card in the event of a ditching, yeah. and I think one was safety, uh, like first aid, and I don't know what. Maybe the PAs, maybe was the other oh, one. Oh, no, nothing like that. Nothing no, like that. No, it was strictly emergency stuff. And three pages. Three. Three I love little that. cards. Three little cards. <laughs> yep. Don't touch me. So I've been doing the podcast for 10 years, and I've really only done. Now, three surveys. The first one was what uh, what flight attendants drink they hate to pour the most, which, of course, was Diet Coke. The second one was uh, butt-to-butt or crotch-to-crotch, which uh, which way you turn when you're walking down the airplane and you run into another person. And uh, in this episode, this month, I did another one, uh, mainly because it's something I do that I find strange and weird, and I notice it in other people, and I've never heard anybody talk about it. So whenever there's some weird phenomenon... <laughs> that I've never heard anybody talk about, I get interested. And uh, I notice myself personally, when I'm on the beverage cart, I go in a higher octave when I ask somebody if they want something to drink. So I'll just be on the beverage cart and I'll be like, something to drink, something to drink. And I've had friends that have laughed at me going like, what is that bird voice you're doing? And I can't help it. I can't stop it. I've tried to stop it and I can't. It's just my serving voice. But I also have a really good friend who has a low voice, low voice. And she gets on the beverage card and she's like, something to drink, something to drink. It's like, what is that? You know, it's easy to notice it in somebody else and maybe not in yourself. And I've had some theories about... um, I don't think men do it. I think it's sort of that thing where people expect women to be 
cheery and chipper all the time. Like one of the things we hate is when people are like, smile. Like, and if you smiled 24 hours a day, people would think you're crazy. (laughs) But I think it's part of that identity we put into this high serving voice. So I asked people uh, to recreate their serving voice for me. Uh, I have this new theory that we all put on a a voice while we're uh, serving that we don't even aware of. So I'm going to ask, say um, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. Okay, now ask somebody if they want something to drink. What would you like to drink? (laughs) Okay, yeah, say Betty and the Jets. Betty and the Jets. Okay, now ask somebody if they want something to drink. What would you like to drink? (laughs) Yours is a little bit higher, too. This okay. Is, this is Betty. Oh, you're welcome. What would you like to drink? I know. It's like a bird. Something to drink. Okay. Say Miss Peacock in the library with a knife. <laughs> Miss Peacock in the library with a knife. Okay, now ask somebody if they want something to drink. What you want to drink? No, you do not. <laughs> what you want to drink? So it's like a serving voice, which I think is odd. But now your husband has a singing voice. He gets an eye pitch like this when he's jamming. <laughs> okay, so I want you to say John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Okay, now ask some like like you were on the beverage cart. Ask someone what they want to drink. Would you like something to drink? I think it was a little higher. It is. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. May I get you something to drink? It is higher. I have this theory that we talk in a higher voice when we're in the beverage cart for some strange reason, like a lot of us. But I don't know why. They didn't teach us this, but we just do it. I'm trying to figure out why. So, like, I'm just going to ask you to say something like, um, the age of Aquarius. The age of Aquarius. Now, when you're on the beverage cart, ask somebody what they want to drink. Can I get you something to drink? (laughs) Yes, it's higher. (laughs) Say, uh, rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah. Okay. Hi, would you like something to drink? It's slightly higher. It was higher. I'm just trying to get a little survey. Okay, so say chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty chitty bang bang. <laughs> okay, now ask somebody if they want something to drink on the beverage cart. Would you like something to drink? See? <laughs> it is higher. That is funny. Okay, say don't go breaking my heart. No. Don't go breaking my heart. I can't say it without <laughs> singing it. That's okay, I just wanted to hear your voice. Would you like a beverage? <laughs> See, it's a, it's a different voice. That's what I'm like. I'm getting at. Like, um, yeah. Um, say, I saw her fla- face. Now I'm a believer. I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Okay. Now ask somebody if they want yeah. something to drink. Would you like something to drink? It's higher. Okay. Wait. I'm trying to figure it out. So you think that if we didn't have this high voice, people think we're grumpy. Oh, there's this flight attendant that's having a bad day, or something like that. So if you put up that persona you like you're perceived you needs to be a nice person and always happy so you ask him in a happy voice that you like something to do okay you're boarding a flight i was boarding a flight in cincinnati to paris i was a supervisor actually and we were doing the evaluation of the cruise i was at the door with the flight attendant and i saw a gentleman that had a moroccan passport and I was born in Morocco, so I said hello. I said hello. I said you're from Morocco. He's like, yeah. How do you know? It's like I saw your passport. So actually, he did. Uh, you know, I said where are you coming from? He said Portland. So he's coming Portland, going to Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Paris, and then Casablanca. I told him after dinner I come and chat with you. After dinner, I went to start chatting with him. 
oh, you're from? I told him my city. And he told me, I asked him where he's from. He told me his city, which is Mekinas. And you know, you have different neighborhoods in the city. And I asked him, I remember this is 2005 uh, or 2006. So I said, um, wow, my, my father and my mom both lived in that city. Come from what city? In Mekinas. In Mekinas. In Mekinas. That's where I jumped off the train. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. So I said this, um, to him, um, good, well, my, it's like, so I started naming the neighborhoods that I used to go to and everything. And there is this upper scale neighborhood that he said he's from. I was like, oh, I have family there too. And they seem to know yeah. big families there. I said, well, it's actually a long story. It was the uncle of my mom who lived there. And in 1978, he was taking the kids of his boss to the school, right? Yeah. He asked him if he can do for him the favor to take his kids to school. So he said, sure. So that morning, he went and took this two small kids, very young, in elementary school, to school. And on the way, they were hit by a truck. And my uncle jumped in front of where the truck was going to hit and covered the kids. My uncle died and the kids oh my gosh. Uh, were saved. And the guy, his jaw dropped. I said, what? He said I was one of those two kids. He was one of the two kids, kids. that your uncle saved? In 1978. Oh my God, what are the chances of so that? that? How about that? That's why that's the world is so small. I could not believe it. He told me everything I needed to know about my uncle. Because that's his parents. All they talks about is the uncle that passed Because he's a hero. Yes. So how about that? That's the world is small. That's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> That's a good story. I, uh, I said in the last episode, I thought I was going to Japan to see the snow monkeys. And then I thought about Portugal. Then I was going to go to the Pantanal in Brazil. But you need a visa that takes longer than I have. And you have to send your passport away, which wouldn't work because I'm working. You know, I fly uh, international. Anyway, then I decided I was going to Colombia and I was at the bookstore and I bought a book on Colombia and the sales guy says to me as I'm checking out, he goes, uh, what, you're just going to get on a plane and fly to Colombia? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, now I don't think I'm going to Colombia. I think I'm going to Reykjavik, Iceland, uh, I think. And it's in a couple of days, so I got to figure it out. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep you posted in the next episode. You know, we rarely have celebrities on the plane anymore. It's kind of sad. You know, they ever since 9-11 and the added security, they basically fly private and we don't see them as much. And I miss it because it was kind of like walking into a People magazine. You know, you get to see them and how they really are and how they really look. But the other day we had a uh, actress. She's been in a lot of movies and she's sort of known for uh, drinking a lot. <laughs> sort of the reputation. Anyway, uh... She was pretty, and she was very talkative, and uh, she was drinking, you know, which we weren't surprised. And uh, <laughs> after the service, and the whole cabin is sleeping. It's dark, and she's awake, and, and she's still drinking. And uh, I went and got her a drink. She was drinking Bailey's and vodka on the rocks. And this is the funny part. I give her the drink. I get back to the galley, and this is what you hear. talking oh my gosh the the, the, <laughs> the ice cubes went right down my shirt <laughs> it's 
dangerous being the human blender. Anyway, she was making so much noise and it went on for like five minutes. She was stirring it and the other flight attendant, I'm back in the galley and she's like, uh, what is that noise? I'm like, that's our friend, the actress. She's stirring her drink. She's like, it can't be. I'm like, it is. And she's like, it can't. It's so loud. I'm like, I know. I don't even know how she can, how she can do that. <laughs> so like 15 minutes later, the other flight attendant's like, go Go get her another one so we can hear that, that, that crazy noise again. <laughs> you know, the. And um, I go and ask her if she wants another one. And she's like, um, I don't know if I should be drinking that. You know, it's fattening. I have to be in a bathing suit in my next thing. And uh, maybe I should be drinking something else that won't make me bloat. And Ice Cube went down my shirt again. I don't think it's dangerous. I don't know how she was doing that. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I said, well, then, uh, would you like something else? And she's like, oh, yeah, but it's my favorite. And I'm like, okay, so you, you want another one of those? And she's like, yeah, so I get it for her. And there she goes again. Human blender. Yeah, I was the bee. Yeah. And, um... Anyway, we had this family at the last minute want to get on a plane, and we needed to put them together because there were t little children, little children. So um, she went and asked this passenger if she would move to yeah. another seat, and the passenger knew that it was a whole family of kids and said the only way she would move is if there was a seat up front. Right. And this let this purser yeah. proceeded to tell the, the passenger, "There's a seat up front, and it's in the bathroom." <laughs> and I stood back, and, and, the, and there was these two gay guys sitting on the side, and they—I didn't know all this had transpired, but the gay guys proceeded to tell me what had happened in my cabin, and, and they said, um. Gay guy said, I just, I, I'm writing, I'm writing her up. <laughs> and I said, he says, I want her, oh, it's okay. says, I want her name. And I don't give anybody's name out. So I went up there and I said, they want your name back there for telling this person to go sit on a toilet. <laughs> I would say that, uh, 85% of the women I asked had a higher serving voice than their actual speaking voice. And I, I also got a lot of opinions about why we do it, because we were never taught to do this. Not like we were in stewardess school and they said, you know, talk in a really high-pitched voice. <laughs> I mean, but why so many of us do it, uh, I think it's a, like a shield. Like, this this isn't me. This is my, my serving version of me. <laughs> like a... <laughs> This is my serving personality, or it's just like an affect that we put on so that people will perceive that we're in a really, really good mood or something. Uh, it's like a like a smiley voice. And uh, I don't think it's, I think it's very unconscious, but it, it is prevalent. And I bet if you, next time you're on the airplane, listen, you'll get this like uh, something to drink. <laughs> Say 50 ways to leave your lover. 
50 ways to leave your lover. Okay, now pretend you're on the beverage card and ask somebody if they want something to drink. What would you like to drink? <laughs> it's different, isn't it? <laughs> Say, buttercup, don't break my heart. Buttercup, don't break my heart. Okay, now pretend I'm like... I love that song. Okay, so now I want you to pretend like you're on the beverage cart and ask somebody what they'd like to drink. What would you like to drink? See, do you notice your voice was different? Uh-huh. <laughs> Say, um, walk like an Egyptian. Walk like an Egyptian. Okay, now pretend you're on the beverage cart and ask somebody what they'd like to drink. Something to drink? <laughs> Yeah, that's more. That's more. It's true. I was in Amsterdam, and we have a lot of crews in Amsterdam, so you see people from other bases, and there was a girl I used to be based in L.A. with. She's now in Seattle, and uh, I see her, and I haven't seen her in like five years, and she goes, oh, hey, how you doing? She goes, are you still doing that jetty in the sky with a boob? I'm thinking, jetty in the sky with a boob? (laughs) I mean, I had to laugh. But I'm pretty sure there's an insult in there somewhere. I'm like, yeah, it's Betty in the sky with a suitcase, not uh, Jenny in the sky with a boob. So, you know, you're standing at the MD-88, and there's always two of you, and you're greeting all the passengers, and you're saying hi to everybody, and you're looking at what they've got written on their T-shirts and stuff. They all have a baseball cap. Everybody has a message, right? So this one man comes on and he's wearing a really nice lavender shirt. And I said, oh, that's a nice shirt. And the other flight attendant, she says, yeah, that color looks really good on you. And then I notice on the sleeve, there's a barcode. And I said to the man, wait a minute, there's a barcode on your shirt. He says, yeah, that's Sean John. That's like his thing. I said, oh, can I buy you? (laughs) And he says, sure. So then I thought, oh my gosh, what's he going to think of me now? But he's leaving the plane and I'm saying goodbye. He says, I'm still for sale. And I said, oh, but you might be too expensive for me. I was going to ask the price. You may be wondering, why is she playing the music? What does that have to do with anything? Where did that come from? And I wanted to play it so you'd have a reference. Uh, You know, it's been many years now that on the radio or on TV sometimes, whenever they're bringing up a stripper or something sexy, people go, and that's what basically that means. And then I heard this funny joke, at least... I thought it was funny, and uh, I tell it quite often, and normally it goes over with a wah, wah, wah. Like, no, they don't get it. I get this blank stare, and they're like, I don't get it. But I was just flying with one of my very favorite flight attendants, and I don't even remember what we were talking about, but she did a bounce, and I thought, oh, 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 she'll get my joke. So I, I said, so, hey, uh, what are the sexiest animals on the farm? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, brown chicken, brown cow. Brown chicken, brown cow. And that's normally where it goes over with the wah, wah, wah. But she got it. <laughs> so the rest of the trip, we were like, brown chicken, brown cow. And I'd like to thank 
any of you who, when you were going to buy something on Amazon, went to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. If you were going to purchase something, it doesn't cost you any more. Help support the show. I love seeing what people buy. And this past month, people bought a Betty Dane stylish mold-resistant shower cap, the Hipster Collection, (laughs) some interesting books, uh, Fancy Nancy Tea Parties, and uh, Playboy Bunny or Stewardess, the Uncensored Memoirs of a Pan Am Stewardess. Gotta love that. So thanks. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, please consider going to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. Doesn't cost you any more. Supports the show. Thank you so much. I have been noticing something lately that I find odd and weird. Uh, Passengers are in the overhead bins more. You know, I don't think they think... They don't use any forethought as to what they might need during the flight, like a book or a sweater or diapers or snacks for the kids. All that stuff's in the overhead bin. So they're they're up a lot during the flight, digging around, trying to get their stuff out, the stuff they need out of the overhead bins. And you know what? That's all fine. I get it. You know, a lot of people, it's because they want to keep as much leg room as possible. I get it. It's fine. You know, dig around in there. They do it all the time, a whole flight long, digging around in overhead bins. But this is the part I don't get. They don't close the overhead bin. They just sit back down with their heavy luggage over their head in a vehicle that bounces in turbulence where the stuff can fall on their heads. Like, I I don't get it. 85% of the time, they don't close the overhead bin after they get in it. And I think they understand that we have to close the overhead bins on the ground before takeoff. And, you know, on the ground, there's a lot less chance of it falling down on your head. But when you're in the air and you get turbulence, that's when the shit's going to fall on your head. And I'll even say to them, uh, you know, like a passenger who's been in the overhead bins three, four, five times during the flight and every time leaves it open, you know, and then I come back and, you know, it'll be open for a while before I see it. You know, I'll be in another part of the cabin. So I'll say, you know what, when you get in the overhead bins, you have to close it or the bags, your suitcases could fall on your head. And they just look at me like, huh? Huh? No, never a like, oh yeah, or anything. Just like a, (laughs) get it. It's weird. What they kind of do is they look at me like, well, you know, that's not my problem. You know, that's your job to shut the overhead bins. And I'm thinking, yeah, but it's your head. <laughs> like, I'm not sitting under these heavy bags <laughs> that you're sitting under. They can fall down on your head. Now, granted, you know, I'll, I'll have to fill out some paperwork <laughs> when stuff falls out. And I have had stuff fall out. And I've had, you know, heads bleed like crazy. And they're bleeding. And yeah, so yeah, you know, it'll be a problem for me. But it's a bigger problem for you because it's your head. So it was a long day. We were in, where the hell were we? Savannah, the short layover, the one that you lay over by the highway. So I'm going for a walk, and this lady, like really kind of large lady, she has one of those trailers. I don't know what they're called. It's a pickup truck, and you insert the trailer on top. Remember those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? You know, it's like, I can think they call it a fifth wheel. Is that the thing? Yeah. So it's like. I know what you mean. Anyway, the bottom yeah. line it's is... It's like an RV, sort of, but it's... It's inside yes, the pickup. Yes. So I'm walking, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, I just needed air. So I see her take out a little dog to pee by Burger King. 
Then she takes out another dog to pee. Then a bigger one. And I'm like, damn, this lady's got a jungle in there. Maybe a monkey, too. I'm not done. <laughs> so, I'm looking. And I didn't have my glasses, but I have good vision from a distance. From a, from close, you could be whatever you want to be. I can't tell. I see it. I swear to God. Lord, it was like this. It was a big tail doing like this. Mira. Longer. I'm not exaggerating. You thought, you thought it was an elephant? Well, I'm not done. Black. I see. Right? Holding on to the door rim, to, to the door frame of the of the truck, like grasping. You know how they hold on by their tail? Yeah. This monkey comes out like a five-foot monkey. Wow. A big one. She had a dress on the monkey. <laughs> so you had like two monkeys and... Was that the same no, day? No, that was a monkey. That was the same. No, this is this is another day. That that no 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 no. So I look at her and I I'm like wow you know obviously yeah. these were her these were her Children. emotional support but she had a dress on the monkey. That's sad. Is there a so, diaper too? Sometimes they have a I diaper. I didn't get that close. <laughs> but the monkey was big. It wasn't one of these six yes. inches. Yeah. But she she had a beautiful little pink and white dress and skirt. It was cute. <laughs> it was a cute dress on the monkey. God bless. Thank you. I was flying home from Madrid and there was this family, a husband and wife and three kids, like three kids under five and a baby. And uh, the husband had lost his passport. Uh, So they took him off the plane because he wasn't going to be able to travel. And so here's this woman with the three kids and, you know, all all young kids, uh, two in a car seat. Um, and, you know, that's difficult. But, you know, we have stuff to do. It's not like we can, you know, babysit one of the babies for her. But would you believe that about six of the other passengers took turns holding the baby? I mean, it was so heartwarming. And so they were just, you know, volunteering to help. And it was it was men and women all sitting around her, helping her with her kids because her husband was stuck uh, in Madrid. It was just uh, so heartwarming. And sometimes, you know, it takes a village. It takes an airplane village. And in the last episode, we were talking about ghosts at the Amsterdam Hotel. And I was saying how I haven't ever, I haven't had any ghost experiences. And I love to hear the stories. I find it interesting. You know, I'm not anti-ghost. But I do think that if you believe in ghosts, uh, you're more likely to think something that happens to you is a ghost instead of a dream or something else. But I, I like the stories. And I, I'm not anti-ghost. <laughs> But uh, I was had been talking about it, and then we were talking about it again on the way to the hotel in Amsterdam, and then I'm having my layover, and I'm in the shower, and um, as the bathroom's steaming up, as I'm taking the shower, a message starts to appear in the mirror. Now, I have not had a mirror message in probably like, like a decade. You know, it's like if somebody writes something in the fog when the bathroom is steamed up and then once the fog goes away you don't see it and if they don't wash the mirror then when you steam it up again there's a message so <laughs> I'm I'm showering and uh all of a sudden things start were you know d- definite letters start appearing in the mirror and it's S T R and I'm thinking I K E with an exclamation point strike 
And I was like, hmm. Now, if I was a ghost-type person, I might think it was the ghost in the haunted hotel, but it's probably just another crew member writing it there, but I don't know why you'd write strike. Um, hmm, I don't know. I don't think it was a ghost, but then again, as I've stated before, I am not anti-ghost. But now, if I was a more of a ghost believer type, then I might think that seeing a message in my mirror in a ghost-prone hotel that says strike was a uh, ghost strike. <laughs> You're saying at Easter and your mother had to quit because she got married? Right. But then some people, would they like hide the fact they got married? Because you'd think they'd want to keep their jobs. Absolutely. absolutely. They didn't They didn't tell anybody. They didn't tell the company they got married. So, Well, I was just flying with this guy. I wasn't on my trip. We were just on the crew van together in Amsterdam. And I don't know how we got talking, but I talk a lot. So we're talking. And all of a sudden he said, oh, yeah, I have a twin brother. And he's also a pilot for the same airline. I'm like, really? Because I'd never heard of twin captains. Oh. Identical twins. Oh so my gosh. I had to keep asking him questions because I thought it was interesting. And I said, well, have you ever, you know, off the record, <laughs> pretended to be the other one? Because who could possibly tell the difference between identical twins? He's like, yes, we had to do it once. <laughs> <laughs> How fun. Isn't that fun? That's great. Okay, say born in the USA. Born in the US, USA. Okay, now pretend like you're on the beverage card and ask somebody what they'd like something to drink. How you do it normally? Something to drink. <laughs> <laughs> Say, I'm the king of the world. I'm the king of the world. Okay, now pretend you're on the beverage cart and ask somebody if they want something to drink, like you do. Hi, can I get you something to drink? Is it noticeable? <laughs> it's much higher. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, say, rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah. Okay, now pretend like you're on the beverage cart and ask somebody if they want something to drink. Nothing to drink? <laughs> Say it again. Nothing to drink? Wouldn't it be terrible if we spent our whole life with that horrible high-pitched serving voice? You know, it'd be like, uh, well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.